0: Hey, y'all, I am Hannah Wickland. This is Roger's Music
1: Tour. Let's rock. Let's rock. Uh, Y'all, this this is a special moment for me, and this is, again, proving the power of social media. Um, Abby, my wife, and I saw Hannah play with Marcus King, and I'm going to kind of share my story on Marcus in a little bit, about a year ago in Dallas. And uh, live music is a religious experience, um, but when you see somebody for the first time Whether you heard them or not, and they grip a hold of your heart, and it just takes you to a place that you can't explain, that's a different type of experience. And so today, uh, I get to spend a few minutes with my new friend Hannah, who we saw play. And I remember walking into the House of Blues in Dallas, which is an awesome venue. It's got great acoustics. It's intimate. it's It's just the right size. And I literally stopped, and I was like, what? Is that And fun fact, my wife was uh, eight months pregnant at the time, and I think I might have even ditched her because I just felt called to the stage. Um, but I felt like I was transported to a different time. Um, I, fun fact, spent the first part of the day speaking about Janice Joplin um, and my obsession over her. But I, I felt like Hannah and I had a connection that we were probably born in the wrong generation, uh, whether it's my mustache or Hannah's yeah. just sultry southern rock sound. And, and she said, y'all, which means she's probably got some kind of connection to the south. Um, but I've been made to make bold, I've been known to make bold predictions, but when I saw Hannah and I've become a fan, um, I'm confident that you're about to be introduced to one of the next big stars in music. And I can already tell you just from her demeanor and her kindness, uh, she deserves it. And so, uh, Hannah, excited to have you here today, excited to share your story. Uh, and so let's kick it off. Maybe give us a little background. Where, Where are you from? Where are you now? And what does music mean to you?
0: Well, hello, Rogers. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this is definitely going to be fun. I think you hit the nail on the head on the whole being potentially born in the wrong generation. Um, yeah. But my name uh, is Hannah, and I, I come from Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. I was born and raised down there, but uh, my parents are Northern transplants, so I'm I'm Southern, but uh, you know I still got you know my mom. My mom really knows how to say, fuck you, you know, so I got that going for me too. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, Hilton Head was in, entirely uh, responsible for how much I got to develop as a kid on my instrument. Um, being from a tourist town and, and being young and starting to play music, there was so much opportunity around for me that, um, you know, it was pretty incredible, especially in hindsight and like coming and living in a town like Nashville um, you know, that's where I'm based now. And I moved here when I was 19 and, uh, luckily I'd moved here and I already had my, uh, my agent and I had already been on tour and I'd been out of school for a few years. So, um, I wasn't reliant on like the Nashville scene, um, necessarily. Like I was just kind of playing like once, maybe twice a year, um, which is still kind of my, my routine around town. But, um, it's really, it's really wild to go from a place like Hilton Head where musicians are compensated really well for their time and are respected to then, you know, come into a town where the, the like local gigs in Nashville, um, like down on Broadway and stuff, it's such a, there's so many musicians that a lot of people play for tips and it's just a, it was a very, um, interesting thing. Cause I don't, I, how to, you know, where do the young kids in Nashville get to play at? You know what I mean? So I feel really, uh, really, really fortunate. Uh, yeah to have been where i was at the time
1: where, where well l- l- let me let me call a time out if i can how old are you now are you are, are we able to say
0: uh yes yes i'm uh you may ask you may ask my age i am 26 i just turned um, 26
1: when's your um, birthday uh, I
0: still feel like i'm 16 um april 2nd
1: happy birthday you're, you're 26 years old and, and, and again you you, you kind of you're making yourself sound like you're my age. I just turned 43 and I still feel like a, thank you, but I still feel like a kid. And I think that's the part of the reason I do this is that I think it's one thing to act like a kid. I think it's another thing to act childish, which I prefer to act like a kid. And I think that as you get older and you know, you get, you get pulled away into different responsibilities. Um, A friend of mine once said that as you get older, you lose your imagination. I'm like, no man, I'm, I'm Peter Pan and I want to go and, and have this be my happy thought. So again, you're 26 years old and you've done things that are unheard of in the world of music. And you've put yourself where, you know, South Carolina, which I think Marcus is from there too. And I'm sure there's maybe, maybe a story there on how y'all met. Um, But maybe talk about like the last seven years and how you've turned it from a passion, maybe a hobby, something that you knew you had a gift, you called it your instrument, which your instrument is literally your voice, but obviously you're a musician outside of that as well. But what's been that like for, for six years just to be strewn into a place where there's a song by Sean Mullins called uh rockabye or lullaby. What is it? And it says that Nashville is like our LA is like Nashville with a tan and LA everybody wants to be an actor, but in Nashville, everybody wants to be a singer. So what, what was that reality like? And, and what's been the evolution to get you to be in 26 and still obviously be insane? Well, you
0: know, I, uh, The last eight, well, when I think of, when I think of like the scope of like really when like the music business end really started and when like things really kind of got interesting was when I was 18, Um, like two days after I turned 18, I had never, I had been playing out since I was eight, but I had never like, we'd never pursued the music business. We were just like playing the local gigs. I was uh, recording and selling CDs at shows and it was just a very like DIY in the you know, local rock band vibe. And, um, I had started touring, uh, when I was 16, I I graduated high school and I was on the road for, um, like two years before I got a really random phone call. Um, also if you hear my dogs in the back whining, that's because otherwise they'll bark at the dogs walking. by. That's your your backup vocals. Yeah, they're my, actually, yes, we can, we can touch on that later. Um, but yeah, when, when I was 18, Scooter Braun called me. Um, and no like, way. Yeah, like after literally, I literally never had had one official, like no actual connection or meeting with anybody in the business. So um, it was a very interesting first meeting to have. And he flew me out to LA. And at the time, the band was the Steppenstones. And I was still very... Um, uncomfortable with the idea of it being my face my image with it being you know my name Um, I had always been the songwriter of the band you know we bought all of the PA equipment I fronted all the money for recording so it had always been like my project Um, but there was just I always dreamed of it being a band and that was something that I didn't want to sacrifice and so you know when Scooter you know flew me out there and stuff it was the same time that the guys I was playing with it was you know just you know, the band was kind of changing, evolving, and and he basically, when I told him that I didn't want to be Hannah Wickland, um, he and I was also like, but I need to get a new band together. He's like, I want to be the first person you call when you get that huh. band together, and uh, I never called him. I never called him back. <laughs> so no way. I, think, I think yeah, I kind of um, at that point I was still very attached to it being the Stepping Stones and. I kind of, in the year or two following, um, you know, slowly after trying to find the right band members and dudes that I really wrote with and clicked with, um, you know, I kind of accepted the Hannah Wickland and the Stepping Stones. And then with this new record, it just kind of, you know, at this point it's me and I'm yeah. owning it and I'm very happy kind of coming into uh, that confidence. Um, and so now it's just Hannah Wickland, but Uh, Basically, instead of of going with Scooter Braun, um, I got my first agent and he was based in Nashville. So I was living in Charleston at the time. And then I moved to Nashville when I was 19. I hated it. Literally hated it. Um, Yeah, I was just like, it was, I missed the ocean and I missed conversations that weren't about music. And I missed all of a sudden I didn't know I missed it, but I just like, I missed not having people vying for whom I'm working. You know, it just was a a different vibe um, in town. And so, so I kind of, I, I ditched, I ditched Nashville and I kind of went transient uh, for like three years and I was touring a bunch and I was um, kind of mainly hubbing out of LA and uh, on the business end, you know, I kind of eventually got a manager. I've, I've kind of been through the ringer when it comes to the business end so it's like you know if you can imagine scooter Braun being your first meeting and then having just pretty much it kind of be yeah. a steady roller coaster like that as far as you know your opportunities and then having you know managers that are you think are gonna be doing the thing and then they forget to respond to fox sports when they want to use bomb through the breeze and you lose the placement you know and then you're like oh shit, who's who's at the helm of this ship right now? So, uh, so it's been a very interesting path and, um, you know, in the world of, of releasing music and stuff, I've, I've experienced my hands being tied, um, for the last few years on not being, you know, not being able to move forward with releasing a record because of how other people are handling my career. And, um, and I recently, uh, I recently like took over management for myself again, and I am no self-releasing my record. Yeah, I've, I was in you know this this new record. I am absolutely I love it. It is my favorite thing I have ever created um, in every essence. And uh, and I've known that I want it to be handled with care and handled properly. And um, I've tried. I stayed very very patient in finding the right people to work on this project with me and, um, my gut and, you know, the universe kind of just steered me down this very clear path of, you know what? I released my last record on my own on strawberry moon records. And that was five and a half years ago. And, um, that's what I'm going to do with this new record too. And it feels no really, uh, yeah, it feels really good. Cause I was like literally waiting for years on all of these things and just like, in the world of bad luck and bad timing and just, like, having very depend, like, people that have done really great things just absolutely dropping the ball, it's just, it's been very humbling, and, um, and now I'm very motivated to just do it myself, and it feels really good, and so I finally have, like, you know, the, the, the workings and the, you know, the, the new record's on its way. Just for you. It's gonna be here very, very soon. So I'm very excited.
1: So, so back to kind of to the story where, you know, there's something weird about, I don't know how to say this, but when your passion becomes your job, um, a little bit of the passion might get exhausted and you might see things different. Right. And again, you go from a place where you're, you're a big fish in a big pond, but then you go to Nashville where you know, I lived in L.A. when I was in my early 20s, and I wanted to be an actor. And I remember the day that I got there, my dad and I went to dinner at Boston Market, whatever, some chicken place. The lady taking my order was a screenwriter, and then the person cleaning the floors was an actor. And I was like, that's so coincidental that two of y'all are in the same industry that I'm And then I was like, holy crap, everybody's doing this. And so I tell you this to where, but the difference between you and me is when I was 22, I quit. And you're 26, and I think that so much of life is showing up, and so much of life is committing and believing in what you, you know, you you can, and you bet on yourself. And so you're at that point where you're rele- you're releasing an album, you know, in a competitive world where you had Scooter Braun, who's a he's, Scooter Braun was a guy behind Justin Bieber. He's been, you know, with Taylor Swift. There's some stuff that Scooter Braun is a big player, no matter what. But again, you believe in yourself enough that it's working. And, and, and so, what does that actual navigation look like, knowing that you're coming out? With number two, are you allowed to say what the name of the album is?
0: Um, I'm going to keep it under wraps because we're literally just, we are right around the corner from an announcement. All I'll say is um, my album is being released on Strawberry Moon Records. And okay. um, there's going to be an announcement on Strawberry Moon's Eve, which this year falls on June 2nd, which uh, is a Friday and June third, that Saturday night. Uh, I hope everybody can take a look up at the moon. It's a it's a stunning a stunning full moon, and it's a very um, just a beautiful a beautiful night. So, oh, that being said, I love it.
1: I love it. Well, well, hopefully, we can release this around the same time and get you as much support as possible. But, but even that process, again, like you 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 were a kid when you got into music and you realized that you had a, a voice. You were. You were still a kid when you went and made it your career. You graduated high school at 16, and, and, and here you are again just a few years later. But what does that navigation look like? I mean, again, I saw you when you were on tour. You said you played about 50 shows with Marcus. How do you balance all that while still having a life? You're obviously a dog mom as well, and, and music is, is a big you know, part of your life, if not your entire life. What is that like? Were you on every aspect of it right now, just kind of paving the way and, and really defying every single odd?
0: You know, the thing that I realized is, um, you know, when I was when I was young, I my mom's an artist. So my foundational things in my life when I was young that I turned to for comfort and, you know, and just the things that I loved were drawing and doing my art. Um, I got my start in musical theater and I did um, like between the ages of five and eight years old, I did like nine different like full run, you know, shows um you know some of them had like casts that were professional actors from new york and they were like a three-month commitment as like a seven-year-old you know so i loved the production and the performance and then um i had started playing piano when i was young and i uh, pretty much just played like classical music and beatles songs until i was like six or seven and then i picked up the guitar but music was always you know, that, that most foundational expression, you know, for me, it was the easiest for me to express myself through that. But, um, you know, with graduating and and early and then me at that from 16 to 18, I I had taken over management and I communicated with everybody about all of the shows. You know, I took that over from my dad when I was 12. So I'm very comfortable managing myself. I I've done it for years. Um, but it definitely became, um, You know, when you're trying to book shows as a 16 year old with your other bandmates are 18 years old and you're trying to book a show in Knoxville, Tennessee, and, you know, and you're trying to piece together a whole tour around the Southeast for yourself, you send out about 100, 150 emails. You make 50 phone calls to get, you know, a couple of returns because I was always very, very, very upfront with our age. But usually people would see a video or listen to the music and they would be like, okay, they would take a chance. And then as soon as we would play a show, we'd be welcomed back, you know, in three months, they would put another show on the books immediately. So that's how I kind of caught the attention of, um, our first agent was because I was just doing all the work myself and, uh, we were starting to sell tickets and, um, You know, but that really started to consume all of my, all of my being. And then once I moved out and I made the grand old mistake of dating my first, you know, my first boyfriend was uh, my drummer when I was like 18. So like for a year and a half, there was just, um, you know, that, that kind of distraction. So all of a sudden I hadn't done artwork for like four or five years um, before I realized it. And so when the pandemic hit, that was kind of what I dived completely into was, um, going for, you know, just like complete meditation and peace. And I kind of took a break from playing guitar and from playing music for a while. Cause I was a little burnt out from all of the touring and just all of the things going wrong all the time, you know? And so art became my meditation. And as soon as I got back in touch with that side of myself, balance started to come back into my being because I was very, you know, I was in a hard spot. I was in a very, tough spot between the ages of like 21 and 23. That was, those are some hard years. And so, um, you know, it was, it was a really important release for me. And then I also just accepted the fact that I do, you know, I have, I have some things that I want to do in the film and television world that I've, you know, some ideas from, you know, my family history that I've wanted to turn into something for, for years. And so Um, you know, last year I had I had yet another kerfuffle, you know, I'll call it in the career, and found myself needing to just kind of motivate myself a little bit. And so I was like, you know what, why don't you why do I need to wait to do anything with acting or why do I need to wait to express that side of myself? So I got myself, um, yeah, I'm with UTA as my booking agency and I I got myself uh, an acting agent and I've been doing, I've been auditioning for roles. I haven't gotten anything, you know, but not yet, um, Not yet. but for the last year, I've just been taking chances and putting myself in, you know, kind of uncomfortable situations and um, you know, basically by like, you know, acting when I've never had proper acting coaching, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's been really fun though. And, and fingers crossed, I might, you know, I might land one of one of these guys. You're
1: going to, you know, from an old guy's perspective, what I can say is you're living your best life. And I think that, you know, as you mature and as you get more wisdom, I think something that the biggest regret in life is not going for something. And, you know, you're you're doing that. But the difference between a lot of people and you is that you've hit home runs. And I think that hitting home runs at an early age is a catch 22. I think that once you experience stardom and success and access at 22 years old, at 19 years old, at 26 It kind of makes it hard to go and chase the next thing, and so and and I want to make sure I ask a question though that has been one of the reasons I've I've been really excited about this is like even like your vernacular and your your vibe and like the words you're using. It's so not 2023, right? And it's like me with my mustache. I have a mustache um, every once in a while because I literally feel like I'm in the early 70s. And I feel like if I have this, I'm in a better mood. I'm more laid back. My wife loves me differently. My daughter has more fun. And it makes me feel like I'm in like the Eagles. I'm not even kidding you. And so I meet someone like you and I spent the first half of my day talking about I have a lot of Janis Joplin memorabilia. And you just give off this vibe that is so needed. And it's it makes me so angry that people in the music industry might get a different kind of airplay. But they don't have your talent, and they're all freaking sellouts, which you're not. So the question is, what's the connection to where? Again, you and I were born 50 years too late, and 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 like what 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 is the mission with just bringing the aura that is Hannah? You know, whether it's maybe Saban, the Janis Joplin, and the psychedelic rock crew. What is it? You feel like a torch has literally been passed to you, and you have this this honor of bestowing, you know, what is good about music for the generation that just listens to auto tune.
0: You know, I definitely was extremely passionate. I was definitely that, uh, that girl in school whom, you know, I was definitely getting teased for the band and stuff, but like everybody just would taunt me about loving rock and roll. And it was just, you know, it was just the, it was the Taylor Swift era. It was the Katy Perry era when I was in school. And it was, you know, it was amazing how, all of the people around me were celebrating these people um, or, you know, for Taylor Swift, I had a, you know, at this point, I really respect what she, she's done with this whole scooter bronze situation. And yeah. um, the, that's part of the thing about getting older is you kind of learn how stupid, you know, some of your, some of your like, Oh, I'm standing on this, you know, mountain. Um, but it was, it was for me, it was hard. Cause like all these people we're literally sitting at the lunch table like talking about how she writes these songs and she does all this stuff. And meanwhile, like I literally was playing as a young, like teenager, young kid, I was already playing like a hundred to 200 shows a year or something. And these were the same people who, if they were out with their parents, uh, you know, in the, in the summertime and uh, their dad would like see us playing and be excited and watch. I, and those kids I went to school with, they would literally just be like, You know, it was just like so aggressive.
1: They're jealous. Like,
0: of course. And but it, when you're young, it's just like and the thing is is that I felt that I was playing out from the time I was 9 years old. So like when you're by the time you get to, like 14, 15, you start like believing the jealousy thing, but when your mom's trying to tell you at 10 years old, at 11 years old, that is you are not like I am not like yeah, they're jealous of me. Like I've never been that vibe, so it's uh it's hard to kind of be like Oh yeah, they, you know, at that age, like yeah, they're just jealous. No, you take it and you internalize it and and all of that. So, um, so I definitely. And you, turned, you turned
1: it into a song.
0: Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. I have. I had so many. I had. I had like. Uh, I had very short term friendships where like we would be friends and I would. I just wasn't a very available friend I had so many shows every weekend and so like people would invite me to stuff and I couldn't do it very often and they would at that age you kind of get offended or like I just started missing out on like certain hangs and certain inside jokes and then they would just you know kind of force me out but there's this one girl who was uh she had curly hair like me and and when she was she would she, she started calling me like mushroom head and like weird just I'm just like what are you saying we both have curly hair um you know so i wrote a song called make up your mind and uh and she would scoop ice cream um in the summertime down at harbortown on hilton head and i played there greg russell was the only i'm the only we we were the only people other than greg russell the guy who plays for all the kids down on hilton head in harbortown Mm -hmm. uh besides him in like 40 years who got like a regular show down there but for like five or six years we played every saturday and so, you know, she, I had written this song, um, and it was like the chorus went two-faced and ugly on both sides, love me or hate me. Um, or we know it goes, two-faced and ugly on both sides, uh, put away the makeup too late to cover up the lies, uh, two-faced and ugly on both sides, love me or hate me, make up your mind. And I think I was like 14, you know, so yeah. I, like, I don't go for my best lyrics, you know, but, um, but I definitely, you know, I definitely, I think walked past her and I was just one night I was like, I'm going to play your song, you know, and, and it just, it, that didn't, I don't think that made her happy. But,
1: um, <laughs> well, she's still but scooping was- ice cream and you're rubbed by UTA. So I think, I think you're okay.
0: It was, uh, you know, it's challenging. Cause like even telling that story, like it's, it sucks that I like had to, you know, kind of defend myself in that way, but it was, a. Uh, it was a very brutal, um, island as far as it being so just a very like preppy sorority fraternity driven kind of place. So like the click and like the, uh, that kind of energy was so strong. So, um, so I, I felt extremely alone when I was young. I was, I was so, I was so lonely. Cause like, even the guys in, you know, even the guys in my band, it was like, you know, I love, I love, love them, but like, you know, wouldn't talk to me at school, you know, and we, we played music together for like nine years, seven years. And he'd like, let his friends make fun of me for the band. And they would, they were praising him. So it was just this like, it was this very complex thing. And so um, I've always, that's kind of a long winded answer, but like, yeah, I've, I've felt like I'm living on an Island of my own for my whole life up until recently. Um, You know, until I started kind of you know, getting older and, and in the artist realm, that is one of the coolest things about being an artist and pursuing and sticking with it is that, uh, you do start to meet like-minded people. And, um, that's when all of a sudden I don't necessarily feel anymore. Like I was born in the wrong generation. So kind of like how you said, do I feel like I'm carrying the torch or like that kind of thing? I've never been like a I don't really like to think of things too grandiosely like that. I don't really like to think of my, you know, like that's just, I don't, I don't like to perceive my impact too much, you know, or perceive my importance as like that I'm a torchbearer, but like, you know, of course I was learning all those, you know, classic rock cover songs. And that's where my foundation is from for sure. So the energy of Janis Joplin is, Definitely um, etched on my soul because I can't tell you how many times I have sang piece of my heart and I dressed up as either Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks for Halloween for like 13 years in a row, mm. you know? Wow. So, but I definitely feel now like my dad used to tell me, my dad used to be like, I don't get, I, they, my parents really struggled with my bullying because they were just like, we don't get it. Like my dad was like, you would have been like the hottest, coolest chick at the school. Like all the dudes would have loved you if you were around in the seventies, like, you know, it wouldn't be like this. And so, um, so it's
1: I think because that- you, you have a, you have a gift. And I, and I think that like social media and I'm, I'm always on social media. The how I met you was social media. It, it removes the desire for people to go and be great at stuff. And when, like, if you're on your phone there's really not an end goal, and I think that's really difficult. And if you to be wow, 26, every, but I'm serious. Like, what's the end goal with like TikTok or so or Instagram or whatever? With this, a podcast, I'm I'm, I'm telling your story, but you have an end goal, and you, and your goal is to go and share your gift with everybody. And I think when people recognize that, it's really really difficult. And I think that something that is very cliche for a reason. It's very very lonely at the top. And when you go and you get to the top at nine years old, at 13 years old, at 26 years old, it just becomes a little bit more isolating. And again, that's where music, I think, plays a different role, at least for people like me, because I don't do it for a living. But you can go pour your heart and soul into a pen and paper and and make the mushroom head song come alive. And then over the course of time, seriously, I mean, it, it, it becomes something it becomes something different and you know you found your your audience in in nashville and janice joplin stevie nicks grace slick whoever it is i mean you know you have a unique voice right and and it has been fun the last few years to see like that main you know main skin that group out of uh germany mm-hmm. or Monskin, i don't know what they're called i was like holy crap these guys are on the radio covering a frankie valley song but they sound like zeppelin or greta van fleet or or you you know so i, I feel like it's coming back a little bit, but what happened the last 10 years with, with rock, I thought rock music just kind of died. It's like all of a sudden the killers and, and maybe um, a few other groups within that kind of genre were just done being on the radio. And then out of nowhere, there's a little bit of a resurgence. But what does that responsibility feel like knowing that you're, you're a front woman? You know, you are a you're a performer. You're a lead singer. You have the bravado, um, but that's not necessarily what is on top twenty radio, uh, which is sad. But what kind of responsibility does that? You know, what does that make you feel like?
0: I mean, rock and roll is, I think, the coolest genre of music around because you you can you can literally put whatever influence into it that you want. But like for me, the spirit of rock and roll is literally just what comes out of my body. I don't know if it's because I uh, you know, I learned so many classic rock songs, or I was really lucky and just found the right lane for where my heart and my soul wants to live, which I think that's more it, um, you know, and, and so I'm very, I'm very happy to be, you know, one of the, uh, one of the rock and rollers, this this day and age, and I also think that it is totally resurging, and I don't think that it needs the radio. Maybe the radio will catch on, but, you know, things are changing so much now, and um, it's, it's okay to not be at the very, 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 very top, you know. It's okay to not be, um, you know, on the radio and on every commercial and doing that because nowadays you can have a meaningful and impactful career and be able to touch and reach your fans without that massive platform. And I think it means a little bit more that way. And um, so I think that, I, I think that authenticity is honestly the thing that um, the world needs the most. And I think that that is what rock and roll provides. And in my mind, it, you know, everything that's old becomes new again. And I think we've already seen that pattern is growing. Um, You know, the amazing Greta Van Fleet obviously has paved the way for, you know, that the new era of rock bands, Um, you know, and I'm, I'm super fortunate uh, to be touring with them and um and sam and daniel are my rhythm section on my new record so not to brag but i'm pretty sure i've got the best (laughs) rhythm section around on my new record and uh you know it's it's really exciting to be a part of something because i think we all thought that um that like 60s era, and it's never gonna be the same, that like rock and roll era where all the rock stars are hanging together and they're collaborating and people writing songs and it's just like, hate Ashbury, you know? It's not gonna be like that ever again, but um, I feel so fortunate and lucky to be, you know, in a circle where that kind of collaboration is happening organically and it feels so cool. So it took a long time to find like-minded people but now that I have yeah. it's you know I've never been
1: happy so yeah and you know what and I'm gonna be contradictory part of the fun of social media is people hear your voice and they're like this sound I've never heard something like this before Greta Van Fleet it's like they don't know who that Led Zeppelin is they don't know that whole genre of music and they hear it and again like you're bringing life to something that has been kind of dead for so long and that, that to me Again, it's such a powerful part of, of what you do just to bring so much joy to people. So talk about the tour coming up. Talk about you know, where people can go and see you. How do we support you? How do we go? And she's selling signed records on her uh, website. She might not have any left after we're done tonight. But uh, what, what does the tour look like?
0: Um, so I'm, uh, I'm very excited. I am going to be opening up for Greta in Europe. Um, in the UK in November, which, uh, I, I, do, I like to tell people this. I had that gig before Sam was my boyfriend for the record. Cause, uh, Sam, Sam of Greta Van Fleet is also my, uh, significant other. Um, but this, this tour has been in the works for over two years. Um, so wow. I'm extremely, extremely ecstatic to be doing that tour, um and i'm going to be opening up for another really good friend of mine Devin Gillfillian i'm going to be doing a solo set which i've done hundreds of solo sets around Hilton Head and around the low country you know when i was younger but um i've never toured with my solo set and it's pretty much just going to be a really intimate you know chance for me to kind of share a little bit more about um you know, some of the songs and stuff, but we're playing, uh, I'll be playing the Troubadour in LA for the first time with Devin and, um, when? playing me out in Santa Fe. Ooh, October, late October. Um, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming right now. But.
1: Okay. Well then you can tell me off record. My first day with my wife was at the Troubadour. And so, um, yeah, we have not Sweet. been able to travel in about three and a half years. So, I'm gonna take her to see you at the Troubadour. I think that would be an incredible experience.
0: Oh, I would love, I would love to host you. Hey, I'll, I'll throw you on the guest list.
1: Done. I'm in. Um, so, so again, you have all these exciting things, and I, I've got to still be a fan here because I know that we don't have any m- much time left. But so, so t- let's let's talk about this. You get to duet with one musician ever. You get to go and share the stage with any musician, dead or alive. Who is it? Tom Petty. Tom Petty. Tom Petty. Oh, cool. Florida's own Tom Petty. What a great call. Uh, so, so why, why Tom Stevie, Petty?
0: Tom, I'll be your Stevie.
1: So you're going to go Stop what? Dragging My Heart Around?
0: Yeah. We we covered Stop Dragging My Heart Around in the band for, I don't know, probably eight or nine years I played that song. And uh, my bass player would sing Tom's part and I would sing Stevie's part. And um, Oh, I just adore that song. And I adore their friendship. And I just adore Tom Petty.
1: So I'll never forget the day he died. I was driving back from East Texas and I I was listening to classic rock on XM and they're like, Tom. And I was like, what? And I have a whole theory on this. The thing about the Tom Petty's and the princes and these people that out of nowhere that pass away, it's that they all retire. Right. And there's a reason that like Keith Richards and Mick Jagger and Steven Tyler, these people that have just defied the odds in every which way, Paul McCartney, Billy Joel, they're still playing. Robert Plant, Jimmy Pace, they're still on tour and they're still playing. And I think, again, music is in their blood differently.
0: Well, you know, with Tom, I know he was, I, I guess maybe, I don't think it was he was planning on it being his last tour, but he was playing right up until two weeks before he passed. You know, I actually played um, my dog, one of my dogs' uh, name is Caboo. And no I named him after Cabu Del Mar because I played Cabu Del Mar with the Steppenstones, um, in 2017 and we played like two hours. It basically went us on this one stage and then it volleyed and then it was like Alanis Morissette and then Tom Petty on the main stage. Um, and I'd seen Tom at many points in my life. My dad's, that's literally his guy. That's why I love Tom so much. Mm. I love my dad so much. And it's, that's mm. our guy. Um, and I got to see him play for, you know, like one last time. And I've never, I've never had the relationship, like never, never, never cried in response to like, uh, like music, um, like that I've heard or like, you know, when I'm listening to music, like I love and like, I feel, but, but I've never had that cry response, but I was going through something really hard at the time. And I, my parents were supposed to be there. And, um, I think a hurricane came through Hilton head and like the house got flooded and it was just just like one thing on top of another kind of a moment and so I'm out I'm out in the crowd and Tom goes into you don't know how it feels you know and mm-hmm. and I'm just like I'm like you're right Tom no. <laughs> I was like crying to watching oh. Tom and then, and then two weeks later he was gone and oh. I obviously had, had thought and hoped that I would be able to cross paths with Tom because I've been able to I've been able to hang and meet so many awesome rad cool people uh in my life and i was really hoping that he would maybe be uh added to that list and so mm-hmm. um but it was a really beautiful final show and moment to have right. with him and uh yeah and so so kaboo he uh he's he's in kaboo
1: kaboo's got to live forever kaboo's kaboo's got to be with us forever um, okay, yeah, a couple more questions, and then we'll let you go get to kaboo and, and, and get back to your day. You're stuck on an island, and you only have access to one song. And that one song is the one song that you can play whenever you want. And it's not going to be on repeat because it it, it's not going to exhaust you. What's the one song?
0: Well, that's a lot harder.
1: <laughs> it's, I'm saying it's not going to be like to where it's annoying you, but you can only – I'll start. My song, coincidentally, is how I'm kind of directly connected to you. It's the wait by the band. I think it's the most beautifully written song tells a story. I don't get sick of it. And that's when they did playing for change. And I, and a buddy of mine, whatever, I'm connected to the band, which is a whole nother story. Um, but when Marcus opened the song, I was like, what is this? What is this sound? If you know what I'm talking about where he was in like South Carolina and this was before he was, you know, as big of a deal as he was. And I was like, what is this guy? And I started following him. And then again, That's how I found out about you. So my pick is The Weight by The Band. What is the one song you get to go and save?
0: Oh, Darling by The Beatles.
1: Wow. What a great pick.
0: That was my, uh, that was the first song that I really learned to play on piano and sing. That was my first song. That was my first song. My next song was Peace of My Heart, Janis Joplin, but... My first song, my like signature song, you know, the party trick song for my parents, my audition song for all of my uh, musical theater, all of that stuff was "Oh, darling." And wow. so it's it's you know half half of it is sentimental value, and uh, I think the other half is just that it's just one of the most epically it's a, it's beautiful and visceral and Paul McCartney is so badass
1: so, so badass and awesome. also a bass player most people don't know that he plays the bass he's he's, he's the initial he's the very first cool bass player um uh, okay
0: Hoffner. so cool
1: i got i got two questions left uh the first okay. describe music what does music mean to you um what, how do you go and put the word music uh, into words?
0: I think uh, music is the summation of all of your experiences expressed at one moment.
1: Whoa. Whoa.
0: I just came up with that one. I don't know. No, no, I no. I think, the,
1: I think you just, and the Grammy goes to Hannah Rickland. Music <laughs> is the it's, it's the summation of all the experiences wrapped into one. That's it. Music is this. It's everything. Music is everything. Music is heartbreak. It's, it's love. It's, it's, it's everything. It's wow. How, yeah. how powerful. Yeah. Last, last question. How do yes. we support you? How do we support you? What do we do to show you support to help get your name? And you don't necessarily have to be at the top, but if there's a way for us to help get you, um, you know, if more people can hear Hannah Wickland become a fan, what's the best way to go and uh, and, and what's the best medium for that?
0: Word of mouth, share, come to shows. And uh, definitely, though, as an independent artist and uh, self-releasing this record and, you know, trying to make everything work, pre-ordering my record, pre-saving my record, you know, just listening to it. And if you enjoy it, you know, and, uh, you know, there's going to be a whole world of art and you know, creation that comes along with it. I'm, I'm very, very passionately moving past the graphic tee merch uh, phase of my life. And as an artist, I'm really excited. I'm going to be doing really, really, really spectacular, special, small batch, artful things instead of doing keychains and graphic tee. I still have like 1600 graphic t-shirts that I still need to sell. <laughs> on? Uh, you know, we're going to be, so I, I just say like, you know, if you were, if you're interested and if you like the music, um, you know, get as, get as interested in my world as you want, cause it's going to be very expansive, especially over the next few years. So that's it. I
1: love it. Music is a summation of everything, all the experiences, all the highs, all the lows. And, uh, I'm a huge fan and I, I'm so honored that you would give me the gift of your time and, um, just know how much just means to me. And again, I feel like a kid. And music makes me feel young. It helps me use my imagination. It helps me inspire our one year old daughter, who we named Henley after Don Henley. So that'll tell you how dedicated we are to, to music. But um, you know,
0: like that mustache. Eagles yeah. man.
1: Yeah, I tell you. Um, but, but, thank you. And thank you for all the joy that you bring us. And thank you for, uh, keeping the, the flame of, of rock and roll alive. Um, at the latest, we will see you in October at the Troubadour and whenever strawberry moon happens and the new album comes out to be named, uh, later, you've got a lot of supporters here based in Dallas and beyond. So God bless you. And thank you for, uh, for all you do in the world of music.
0: Thank you, Rogers. You were uh, spectacularly kind and I had a, a wonderful time.